thing. Welcome to Expert Views on ADR Ever, a podcast about simplifying the traditional African method of settling disputes or the appropriate dispute resolution ADR in a bid to attract more users to settle their disputes or conflicts with early dispute resolution, ombuds, arbitration, mediation, collaborative law, restorative justice, negotiation, conciliation, and of course, early retrial evaluation. My name is Chiwa Ebonike, the marketing liaison of Ombuds Day 2024 American Bar Association Dispute Resolution and the host of Expert Views on ADR Ever Video Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Megan Willie to the Ever Show. She is serving as the Ombuds person for Villanova University. Meg is currently the co-chair of the Ombuds Committee in the dispute resolution section of the American Bar Association. She is an attorney and served as a subject matter expert in the Office for Civil Rights, U.S. Department of Education. She wears many hats, so I've left the link to her profile. Welcome to the show. Meg. Thank you, Chinwei. It's so great to be here with you. It's such an honor having you. So without further ado, the first question is, what is Ombuds and the history associated with it? Sure. Um, it's a great question and one that has many answers. So I'll try and um, give you my perspective of it. I say for shorthand, I'm a conflict coach. And what I mean by that is I'm someone who's available to uh, individuals uh, in my workplace uh, to help them uh, confidentially explore conflicts um, that they're having, to discuss options, and to elevate systemic concerns. Now, there's many different types of ombuds, and um, uh, uh, I, I'd like to begin by just going over the, um, the, the type that I am is called an organizational ombuds. Okay. And that is the, um, a, it can be a public or private um, ombuds with the either internally or externally facing. Mm -hmm. And the actions that or is generally um, involving the entity or its actors. Um, so for instance, I work, as you mentioned, in Villanova University. So yeah. my constituency um, is in higher education. Um, and the goal is to manage internal conflicts for organizational ombuds. Mm -hmm. There are also two other main types of ombuds. So they're the classical ombuds. Yeah. And these are generally public sector employees. Um, and they can also be internal or external facing. And their, their role, I like to think of them as looking at the actions by the government. Um, so you might think of like a city ombuds person and their goal is fair treatment for the public. And lastly, there's an advocate model, which is again, it can be public or private and they have a different role in that they advocate on behalf of an aggrieved um, a grief constituency. So think of nursing home or yeah. um, some vulnerable population and their goal is to protect individual rights and interests. Oh, okay. Thank you so very much. So is there a history behind it? Yes. Um, ombuds uh, began in, um, it, we like to think of it as the beginning in Sweden, but technically it began in Turkey. So in the 1700s, King Charles XII of Sweden flees to Turkey after um, being defeated by Russia. And he's con concerned about maintaining authority over his kingdom. Um, he sees a model there in the Turkish office 
um, that ensures that officials are following Islamic law. He mm -hmm. um, loves that idea because he's looking to rule from afar and he appoints a chancellor of justice in Sweden in 1713. It stayed in effect in Sweden for the next hundred years or so in different variations. And then it was codified in Sweden's constitution in 1809. Uh, and that concept was really applied to keep a strong parliament in check. And that continued in Sweden for another hundred plus years until it was adopted by Scandinavian countries in the early 1900s to mid 1900s. Then it began its global expansion as most things did in the, in, in that time period. And we see, um, uh, come to the United States through, um, I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, our very own um, uh, University of Pennsylvania brought it here through a Penn law professor, Kenneth Culp Davis. Mm -hmm. He traveled the world for a whole year looking for new ideas to solve problems about administrative processes. He found this idea in the Scandinavian countries, wrote oh. a law article about it in 1961 called mm -hmm. Ombudsman in the U.S., Officers to Criticize Administrative Action. And yes. uh, from there, it took off. It was something that um, he also, like us, Chin Wei, was involved in the ABA, and mm -hmm. he obtained passage of a 1969 resolution encouraging state and local ombuds. And it became um, an idea that was adapted um, at that time in higher ed to mm -hmm to resolve um, uh, issues in, involving unrest, civil unrest at colleges mm -hmm. and universities. So um, in Martin Luther King's time, they adopted this classical model that was brought mm -hmm. over um, to help find solutions, creative solutions for these problems that were unprecedented and um, uh, so difficult and stay with us today. In fact, at Villanova, we have a freedom school modeled after Martin Luther King's um, uh, leadership and we teach conflict management to the community um, mm -hmm. and it's something that I speak about um, about having the ombuds role having its roots um, in colleges and Martin Luther King's time which is really okay. powerful and meaningful to me and it expanded in corporate field in 1980s or so in response to crises there um, and has really taken off in the U.S. Um, and is at most large institutions um, and and many governments and vulnerable populations to serve that role of an intermediary. Oh, okay. Thank you so very much. Um, so you mentioned um, resolution adopted and that reminds me that the MBA um, House of Delegates um, recently adopted the resolution 500 which you I'm, were one of the pi pioneers or something. Can you tell us more about it? Uh, well, I'm so glad you brought it up because I'm really excited about Resolution 500. It is such uh -huh. um, an important resolution um, for our field of early dispute resolution, Shinway. It shows the House of Delegates and our, our Board of Governors leadership in encouraging the use of all, uh, early dispute resolution to resolve conflict. And ombuds being one very critical component of that and specifically named in that resolution as a method for conflict resolution, um, much like negotiation or mediation. And it is um, centered uh, through the ABA's resolution as a way to, um, to resolve disputes in a cost-effective and time-efficient manner, which are two things that everyone wants, right? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. we had 600 
House of Delegates unanimously approve this um, resolution and adopt it because that makes sense to everyone. Those are two things we, we all want for um, conflict resolution. But in addition, there, uh, the report, which is you know, uh, really fantastic and um, uh, lays out the arguments for this resolution, it talks about other benefits like party okay. self-determination, the importance mm -hmm. of deciding for yourself how you want to resolve your dispute rather than having um, control uh, of that of that dispute um, in the hands of, of someone else. Um, the benefits of making informed decisions, preserving relationships, finding creative solutions, and the increased availability of judicial resources because it's really freeing up the dockets for those cases that deserve and need to be um, decided by judges. So we had uh, you know fantastic um, uh, support from yeah. the of delegates only because it was such a, uh, uh, a, a uh, resolution that makes sense to everyone. And it was uh, supported by all of the, the sections wow. of the UBA and we had sponsor co-sponsors. They, um, it was led by the EDR, the Early Dispute Resolution Committee and the co-chairs there, Felicia Harris-Hoff and Ellie Villandre and yeah. the other principal office, uh, author besides myself, Mary yeah. Cullen former co-chair and now council member. So um, we brought several different perspectives to yeah. the resolution, um, but what we really relied on was the guidance of all the leaders of um, the dispute resolution section, like on Assembled, James Alfini, our House of Delegate representative, um, yeah. al along with David Larson, and just all of the leaders who share their guidance and their expertise with us to, to develop over several years this really profound and meaningful resolution. Yeah, that's a welcome development. Very timely as well. So yes, uh, well, you may have seen also some of the prior resolutions. Yeah. Um, uh, we have the 2017 resolution, mm -hmm. which um, uh, encourages the use of ombuds to prevent and manage and yeah. resolve conflicts. The 2004 resolution, which really features the standards of practice. And the original 1969, um, not to forget the 2001 resolution, which um, that uh, centers ombuds uh, as a role to um, resolve complaints. Um, but the 1969 resolution, um, as we began talking about that, Kenneth, Kenneth Culp Davis uh, starting the yeah. initiative to formalize, the importance of formalizing the, the, the ombuds role um, really has had such um, impact for yeah. our profession. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, thank you so very much, Meg. So that it um the question okay this raises a prevalent question. So the, the role of the ombuds or uh, the ombuds uh, man, how does it differ from that of um a mediator or arbitrator? So very different from an arbitrator, because an arbitrator is making a decision, right? Uh, sometimes appealable, um, but it is a, a decision maker where an ombuds is guiding, um, persuading, negotiating, uh, much like a mediator. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes uh, I, I like to think of the, the way that an ombuds can help um, being on a spectrum. And it, everything from being a sounding board for an individual with an issue all the way up through mediation. 
So those, um, those same skills apply and are useful for the ombuds field. Um, now, when we talk about the role of mediation, I like to point out how the, the ombuds role is, um, is different from mediation though, in that it centers its, um, itself on confidentiality, right? Hmm. So what's very different um, for an ombuds than anyone else really that someone might bring a concern to is that it ensures confidentiality for the, we call them visitors, people who come and seek the services of ombuds. And we are able to um, keep confidential, not just uh, the, what is talked about, but the fact that we even met. So that, uh, and there's many ways that we do that, like having private offices um, Mm -hmm. and, and um, ensuring that we're able to maintain total confidentiality for the visitor so that they are relieved of the burden of wondering what happens if this information is shared outside. Now, the only way that ombuds share information is if, um, if two things are told to us, either one imminent harm. uh, So someone Mm -hmm. says that they intend to harm themselves or others or if there's abuse or neglect of children that are um, that is communicated. Those, those are clear exceptions and that's mm-hmm. generally governed by, um, by state law here in the, um, in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise the only, only way that we share information um, is if we're explicitly authorized to. So I like to think of the relationship with, between an ombuds and a visitor as mm-hmm. one as being a, um, the visitor being the driver and the ombuds being the passenger. So the um, the driver controls the ride. And so the visitor uh, directs uh, anything that the ombuds might do. Um, but it is the, um, uh, and that relates to that confidentiality piece. Right? So they might be authorized to intervene in some way all the way up through mediation, but yeah. that's at the discretion of the, the, the visitor. And that's something we would talk about and explore those options and the the risks and rewards of proceeding in, in that way or another. Okay, so one would argue that the role of an ombudsman, especially the organizational um, type, that the ombuds um, role is not, um, they are not independent in the sense that they are hired um, by the school. And of course they, um, sort of um, allegiance uh, should come first um, to the school than to the students or um, their colleagues or whoever they are settling disputes um, for. So what do you make of that? What do you think? What is your opinion on that? I understand that sort of knee-jerk reaction yeah. that someone might have. But I think it's important to take that in the perspective of knowing that the role of an ombuds is governed by standards of practice, particularly mm-hmm. the organizational ombuds. We have our own standards of practice, but the, the resolution that the ABA passed about the, um, the 2004 resolution states clearly what the standards are for mm-hmm. pra- practicing ombuds. So if one were to not practice in an independent way, which is another hallmark of an of a effective and um, uh, uh, successful ombuds, um, then they would not be practicing as an ombuds. They would be um, not not living up to the standards of the profession. So it is essential 
that ombuds act with complete independence. And there are there are many ways that ombuds and the institutions that they work within mm-hmm. can structure the role so that it maintains independence. And that's essential and that non-negotiable. Um, and so I think that's really useful for people to think about that there is, there's no way an ombuds could be an ombuds if they're not being independent. Mm-hmm. And we, there are always ways that, um, that individuals who feel that someone's not being independent in that role can report up, right? There's um, ethics point, for instance, in, um, in many organizations or other anonymous ways to flag that an ombuds is not acting um, appropriately in someone's perspective and that can be investigated. Oh, okay, thank you. So when it comes to um time and costs um in the in the sense of um settling disputes via ombuds when compared to litigation, which is cheaper and is um is um ombuds more um time effective than litigation? Resoundingly, yes. It is Uh, so much more um, time efficient and effective. Um, I would direct you to my public report um, uh, for Villanova. Most ombuds issue some sort of annual report. And it uh, for me, I can quantify how long it takes for me to resolve a matter. And in this past year, um, I over 50% of the visitors who came to me um, their cases were resolved within 90 days. Another quarter um, were resolved within 180 days. So mm-hmm. w- within half a year, people are seeing a resolution to their concern. Mm-hmm. Um, compare that to, I came from private practice yeah. um, and also the federal government where um, it was typical for cases to um, be with us for months, years, decades even. So um that is a, a stark difference. And I would add, and this is also in the um, in the report um, for Resolution 500, yeah. the effect of COVID-19 on backlogs in the um, in federal courts really exacerbates that um, that situation. And it also happens in state uh, in state courts as well. There was a 60 percent increase in wow. backlogs in the federal government. Um, between um, 2019 and, and 2020, and another 11% between 2020 and 2021. And that's due to increased filings and also reduction of removal of federal cases. So when you're comparing the time that yeah. a matter might take, um, it's just, uh, there, there is no comparison. And no. also when you talk about the cost, yeah. Um, one of the things that um, many ombuds do and, and I do in my role at Villanova is I, I ask visitors to provide me information at the conclusion of the academic year about what they were planning to do prior to consulting with the ombuds and then what they actually did afterwards. Okay. And there is a significant reduction in the number of formal filings or decisions that they're going to make affecting their job, such as leaving it. Um, that they took um, after consulting with the ombuds. So going to going to quit, going to file a formal complaint, going to file um, litigation um, before, and then after not doing it. So oh. you, you look at the value of an ombuds. You can you can measure it in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, in addition to cost and um, time, I would mm-hmm. add stress 
right? The stress that comes with formal filings yeah. is um, monumental. And, mm-hmm. um, and the stress that comes with resolving a problem and coming up with a creative solution that allows you to repair a relationship, um, understand your workplace better, focus on your work instead of the distraction of the, yeah. the concern that brought you to the ombuds, that's also immeasurable. Oh, thank you. I think you've, you've touched on the um, advantages um, of ombuds. Um, can you sort of um, expand on the disadvantages as, as well? Is there any disadvantages? <laughs> you won't. You won't hear any disadvantages from me. I am a true believer in the ombuds role. I will tell you what some people say is a disadvantage, yeah. and then I'll tell you why it's not one. Yeah. <laughs> um, some would say ombuds. They have no authority. They can't make a decision, right? We, and, and that's true. We don't have authority. Um, that's why it's so powerful because people know we're not making the decision. They're making the decision. The visitor is making the decision. And the visitor can decide to go to a decision maker, um, go through a formal channel, but having the option of an informal channel where there isn't a decision, there isn't a decider, it just alleviates that um, relinquishment of control, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're able to make that decision themselves and maintain control. So no negatives. No negatives. Okay. <laughs> Any more advantages that you've not mentioned? Oh, it's wonderful. I haven't even talked about the, um, the early warning system that it, oh. it's able to provide. I mean, oh. one of the great advantages, Chinwei, um, is that these individual problems, whether they be brought by a group, brought by an individual, whether they affect one person or a number, um, they're resolved in a triage fashion, I like to think of it as. We dissect that issue, we, we resolve it, and, we, and the person's able to move on. Yeah. But that, that gem, that information about the concern, I'm able to um, elevate to leaders who are interested in hearing it. And you wouldn't have an ombuds in your organization or your, um, in your government or in your population if you weren't interested in hearing what's going on the, on the ground. Hmm. So by, by default, if you have an ombuds office, you have, uh, you have a visionary leadership that wants to hear from the ombuds. And they, they want that because it's good for the organization. It's good for the entity. They're able to hear this advanced um, message about w- what's happening and how they might improve it. So one thing that ombuds are great at is find, seeing across an institution, taking information that they've learned from a visitor and it's completely extracted from the um, situation itself or the um, anything identifiable about it and communicate that to people who are able to make an improvement, whether it be a policy, a practice, yeah. um, information that they didn't know, uh, right? The, these large institutions sometimes are weighted down by the bureaucracy that serves them so well in, in a multitude of ways, but yeah. sometimes it creates friction when they don't understand some um, unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. So ombuds are able to point that out, help yeah. them get a, a, a jump start on that issue and resolve it so that it's not affecting others. It's really a, a fantastic 
mm-hmm. um, benefit that ombuds bring to organizations and and the constituencies that they serve. And one way that that we do it is we we put that information in our our um, our reports. The, uh, the International Ombuds Association has developed um, these categories of reporting concerns, okay. and we use those to um, delineate what kind of information that what we're seeing and what kind of concerns we're seeing. Yeah. And by putting it in these categories and subcategories, so some of the categories have 19 subcategories, so we're able to be very specific and show that there's a um, a magnitude of concern, for instance, in a particular area, and yeah. use that to start a conversation with leaders who have responsibility for that area and talk about ways that, that, that there might be improvements. Oh, okay, thank you so very much. Um, so what are the training and requirements um, re- requirements for one to become an ombuds mm-hmm. for an ombudsman? Yeah. What's, what's terrific about the, the role is that you can bring so many different areas of expertise to it. Mm-hmm. Right? There's not one pathway that you need to follow in order to become an ombuds. Many ombuds have different um, educational backgrounds. Like some have Juris doctors uh, like I do. Yeah. Um, I also have a master's in public policy and politics, which really helps me understand organizations and how they are structured. Um, Many have psychology or social work backgrounds. Um, And all of this, all of these skills and expertise that we bring to the field, along with our conflict resolution skills, um, it really help inform our relationships with both institutions and the visitors that come to see us and help us um, do our jobs better. Uh, It also um, there are also conflict resolution degrees, um, and we've had um, folks from Canada um, to our ombuds committee meetings yeah. speak about different degrees that are available there, and there are some in the states as well. Also, yeah. our International Ombuds Association has a cert- certification program, the co-op program, um, which is a, um, uh, a an additional level of certification that one could obtain in order to show mastery of these concepts. But I would say the most important training that one could have for becoming an ombuds is to have excellent judgment and character. Those are, um, again, non-negotiable. You you need these things to be excellent at at your job. And every ombuds that I've met has them. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that on the show. So what is the way forward for the mass advocacy of ADR? Well, I think uh, um, uh, podcasts like yours, where we were educating the public about what it is that, um, what it looks like to be an early dispute resolution practitioner, yeah. resolutions like 500 and the ABA, Um, and um, uh, uh, showing the public the benefits of of this field and talking about the the ways that it can help resolve disputes. And um, those, I think, are gaining in popularity. If you look at the the timeline of the last 75 years and how this field has grown exponentially, Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, both internationally and here in the states, if you from this from the American view, yeah. it 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 really makes me sure that we're going to see um, vast um, uh, use of uh, early dispute resolution and alternative dispute resolution um, uh, uh, in the future. I mean, it is there's no option, right? The the backlog in the courts, the um, the the way that ADR has not necessarily lived up to, as yeah. we talk about in the, the resolution report, it hasn't really lived up to the um, the promise and this focus on early dispute resolution, getting in there, mm -hmm. be, being preventative, yeah, um, managing conflict, um, and and resolving it and getting past it. That's that's the wave of the future, and that's something that ombuds can offer. Um, as practitioners and as educators. Uh, and so I really appreciate your um, being uh, at the forefront of this field and sharing mm -hmm. out this information the way you are. Thank you so very much. So we're running out of time. One final question is how can um, members of the public that would want to join our Ombuds um, community, committee, how can they join us? Yes, well, they, they just need to become members of the ABA, the American Bar Association. So yeah. terrific organization with a lot of benefits from discounts on car rentals, I understand, to um, free CLEs for lawyers, which is a great benefit for, um, uh, for those of us that practice, along with um, lots of programming that, that um, about current topics. I just attended and um, uh, programming about better ways to run meetings, um, uh, the use of AI. I mean, we have cutting edge topics with great practitioners uh -huh. that offer all sorts of um, uh, information that we need for our everyday work. I would also say that um, joining the committees in the ABA allows you to network with, with other um, interested uh, and involved um, practitioners and aspiring practitioners. So being um, a member of a committee allows you to engage like you are in our mm -hmm. ombuds committee, serving as our liaison to the yeah. section for ombuds day, which is really just such a key feature of the ombuds committee. We love our ombuds day. At the ABA here, we um, organize uh, the a national theme along with all the other really effective and contributing Ombuds associations out there, like yeah. um, COFO and IOA and so many others um, in Doha. So we really um, join all the Ombuds um, organizations together to create what will be the theme for the year. And then they go out and they have their own programming and we feature each other's work and we get proclamations here in the States from um, uh, city and state governments about um, recognizing Ombuds Day. It's really just a fantastic um, recognition of the mm -hmm. impact of our field. So we hope that people um, uh, go to the, our, our website, Ombuds Day, um, to, to learn more about the history of um, the Ombuds field and mm -hmm. the, the work of the Ombuds Committee. And we're so glad to have um, new members join us and um, and there's free programming for um, for folks that aren't members yet. So you can come to join some of our programming and see see for yourself um, what it is that I'm talking about here. But I know they'll love it and and learn and uh, become addicted to 
um, getting involved with the ABA and the dispute resolution section. Oh, thank you so very much, Meg, for everything, for, you know, for um, your insights, your perspectives and the learning you shared with us. Um, I believe that potential users would embrace all you have stated here in, and of course opt for ombuds um, whenever the need um, arises. Thank you so very much for coming on the show. And of course, this is a masterclass. I, I don't even want it to end, but I mean, we have to go, is it? So... Uh, I guess we have to go eat dinner. <laughs> All right, it's been you. a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Shinwei. Yes. I really appreciate the opportunity. No worries. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.